Welcome to the Ready to Harvest podcast. In today's episode, I am answering the questions that are most searched for on Google regarding United Methodist Churches. The goal is to give you a concise, factual, and unbiased look into the difficult-to-decipher world of denominations. Check the podcast notes for links to relevant content, and check out the website at readytoharvest.com. Do United Methodists believe in saints? The answer to this question, in the way that a person asking it probably refers to, is no. United Methodists don't have a separate canonized sainthood such as Roman Catholics do. However, the United Methodist answer would be yes, that they do believe in saints, but all believers are saints. Here's what the UMC says on their website. United Methodists believe in saints, but not in the same manner as the Catholic Church. We recognize Matthew, Paul, John, Luke, and other early followers of Jesus as saints, and countless numbers of United Methodist churches are named after these saints. We also recognize and celebrate All Saints Day, November 1st, and all the saints who from their labors rest. All Saints Day is a time to remember Christians of every time and place, honoring those who live faithfully and share their faith with us. On All Saints Day, many churches read the names of their members who died in the past year. However, our denomination does not have any system whereby people are elected to sainthood. We do not pray to saints, nor do we believe they serve as mediators to God. United Methodists believe there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. 1 Timothy 2 verses 5 through 6a. United Methodists call people saints because they exemplify the Christian life. In this sense, Every Christian can be considered a saint. John Wesley believed we have much to learn from the saints, but he did not encourage anyone to worship them. He expressed concern about the Church of England's focus on saints' days and said that most of the holy days were at present answering no valuable end. Do United Methodists believe in the inerrancy of the Bible? The answer is that most United Methodists do not believe in biblical inerrancy. In his 2018 book, United Methodists Divided, Dale McConkie says the following, You are not likely to hear United Methodists, even theologically conservative ones, describe the Bible as inerrant or infallible. It is more likely that you will hear adjectives like authoritative, trustworthy, and reliable. The biblical authors, though limited and imperfect like all humans, were illumined by the Holy Spirit to create a testament of God's redemptive love that is both a necessary and sufficient witness of God's salvation through Christ. When people read the Bible, that same Holy Spirit can inspire and cultivate faith. None of the seminaries of the United Methodist Church teach Bible inerrancy as the proper view, though the position is explained. Because of this, for many decades, the bishops and ministers in the UMC have generally held a liberal theological position on this issue. Way back in 1965, a male survey of clergy asked Methodists if they disagreed or agreed with the following statement. Scriptures are the inspired and inerrant word of God, not only in matters of faith, but also in historical, geographical, and other secular matters. Only 13% agreed. The UMC website itself makes clear, both by omission of affirmation of inerrancy and by the way it describes the Bible, that the main view of the Bible is not one of inerrancy. Here's a portion of their description of the Bible. We say that God speaks to us through the Bible, that it's God's word. This authority derives from three sources. We hold that the writers of the Bible were inspired, that they were filled with God's spirit as they wrote the truth to the best of their knowledge. We hold that God was at work in the process of canonization, during which only the most faithful and useful books were adopted as scripture. We hold that the Holy Spirit works today in our thoughtful study of the scriptures, especially as we study them together, seeking to relate the old words to life's present realities. The Bible's authority is, therefore, nothing magical. For example, we do not open the text at random to discover God's will. The authority of scripture derives from the movement of God's spirit in times past and in our reading of it today. 
Despite this statement in the what we believe portion of the UMC website, there are still conservative or evangelical churches within the UMC that do believe in biblical inerrancy, but they are in the minority. What do United Methodists believe about salvation? United Methodists vary widely on their beliefs about salvation. On one side, many never talk about salvation or being born again at all, instead focusing on saving this earth and the people in it from disease, war, injustice, etc. Some view salvation as a lifelong process, others believe that all people ultimately will be saved. A minority hold a relatively evangelical stance on salvation as a one-time event of belief in Christ. United Methodists reject eternal security, or once saved, always saved, believing that salvation may be lost. The UMC website states, Our church teaches we can end up losing the salvation God has begun in us, and the consequence of this in the age to come is our internal destruction in hell. Generally, the UMC teaches that to attain or maintain salvation, one must cooperate with God. Here's what the UMC website states. While God's grace is necessary for salvation, and that humankind cannot in any way attain salvation without God, that there is certainly an element of awareness and cooperation on our part to order our lives after the image of Christ if we have the capacity to do so. Most in the UMC view salvation as ongoing and not one time. Here's how UMC.org puts it. We understand conversion to be a lifelong process, a continual turning of our lives and wills over to God for God's use and purposes. And to begin that lifelong process, we must, as the scriptures teach and John Wesley reminds us, be born again. The typical United Methodist view on salvation is that the entry into it takes place at baptism. Reverend Taylor Burton Edwards states the following on umc.org and quotes from the Book of Resolutions of the United Methodist Church. Baptism by water and the Spirit is the sign and for many, though not all, the usual channel of this great gift of God. By water and the Spirit reminds us that baptism is the means of entry into new life in Christ, John 3.5, Titus 3.5, but new birth may not always coincide with the moment of the administration of water or the laying on of hands. Our awareness and acceptance of our redemption by Christ and new life in Him may vary throughout our lives, but in whatever way the reality of the new birth is experienced, it carries out the promises God made to us in our baptism. In 2018, United Methodist Communications asked poll questions that included the topic of salvation. 27% of respondents said that salvation is through faith alone, while 73% answered that salvation is a combination of faith and what we do in this world. Do United Methodists celebrate Lent and Ash Wednesday? The answer is yes, some do. Officially, the UMC liturgical calendar marks a season of Lent beginning with Ash Wednesday. However, individual congregations may or may not practice observing these days. The United Methodist Church website says the following, While many think of actions such as the imposition of ashes, signing with the cross, foot washing, and the use of incense as something that only Roman Catholics or High Church Episcopalians do, there has been a move among Protestant churches, including United Methodists, to recover these more multi-sensory ways of worship. This is in keeping with a growing recognition that people have multiple ways of learning and praying. The observance of Ash Wednesday is relatively recent for Methodists. In 1979, the UMC published resources that mentioned the practice and imposition of ashes only became a part of official worship resources in 1992. In a glossary of terms on the UMC website, the following is said of Ash Wednesday, in part, The particular symbolism of ashes for this day comes from a practice in the Roman Catholic churches in which the ashes used from the palms used in the preceding year's Palm Sunday celebration are blessed. With these ashes, the priest on the first day of Lent marks a cross on the forehead of each worshiper. This practice has become a part of Ash Wednesday services in many United Methodist churches. What do United Methodists believe about baptism? The United Methodist Church baptizes infants. The UMC website says, From the earliest times, children and infants were baptized and included in the church. 
Baptism, as a means of grace, signifies God's initiative in the process of salvation. John Wesley preached prevenient grace, the grace that works in our lives before we are aware of it, bringing us to faith. The baptism of children and their inclusion in the church before they can respond with their own confirmation of faith is a vivid and compelling witness to prevenient grace. The mode of baptism can be sprinkling, the most common, or pouring or immersion. The UMC says, We believe that the power of the Spirit in baptism does not depend on the mode in which water is administered. The UMC teaches that baptism is a sacrament. Their website says this, Baptism is a sacrament. In a sacrament, God uses common elements, in this case water, as means or vehicles of divine grace. Baptism is administered by the church as the body of Christ. It is the act of God through the grace of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. The UMC does not view baptism as necessary for salvation. In their own words, do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? No, but baptism is a gift of God's grace to be received as part of the journey of salvation. To refuse to accept baptism is to reject one of the means of grace that God offers to us. The UMC website also says, Does baptism mean that I am saved? No, salvation is a lifelong process during which we must continue to respond to God's grace. Baptism offers the promise that the Holy Spirit will always be working in our lives, but salvation requires our acceptance of that grace, trust in Christ, and ongoing growth and holiness as long as we live. The United Methodist Church accepts the baptism of other Christian denominations and views baptism as adding the individual to the local congregation and to the universal church and the denominational body. Do United Methodists drink alcohol? The answer is that it varies. A 2018 Lifeway research poll of United Methodists found that 62% of Methodists in the USA answered yes when asked if they drank alcohol. The United Methodist News website answers the question, may United Methodists drink alcohol in this way? May we? Yes. We do not prohibit our members from doing so responsibly with deliberate and intentional restraint. However, the United Methodist Church has long believed that abstinence from alcohol and other drugs witnesses to God's liberating and redeeming love and is part of living the life God has prepared for us. We start here. We start with abstinence as faithful witness and as norm for guiding our behavior. Historically, Methodists were heavily involved in the temperance movement, and so the more conservative congregations may more strictly observe the abstinence position. However, there are even more churches where this isn't the case, such as Epworth United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which advertises its monthly beer and Bible event on its church website. What do United Methodists believe about abortion? In the USA, most United Methodists think that abortion should be legal. A 2018 poll done by Pew Research found that 58% said that in all or most cases abortion should be legal. 40% said that in all or most cases it should be illegal. The United Methodist Church Book of Discipline says the following, Our belief in the sanctity of unborn human life makes us reluctant to approve abortion, but we are equally bound to respect the sacredness of the life and well-being of the mother and the unborn child. And UMC.org says the following about abortion. While we understand the need for women to have access to safe, legal abortions, we also mourn and are committed to promoting the diminishment of high abortion rates. We encourage ministries that reduce unintended pregnancies such as sex education, access to voluntary family planning, contraception, and initiatives that enhance the quality of life for all women and girls around the globe. Finally, we are committed to ministering with those who have had an abortion, providing support and encouragement. What does the United Methodist Church believe about divorce? The answer is that divorce is permitted as a legitimate option in the United Methodist Church. In the United Methodist Church's Book of Discipline, section 161D, the following is stated. God's plan is for lifelong faithful marriage. 
The church must be on the forefront of premarital, marital, and postmarital counseling in order to create and preserve healthy relationships. However, when a married couple is estranged beyond reconciliation, even after thoughtful consideration and counsel, divorce is a regrettable alternative in the midst of brokenness. We grieve over the devastating emotional, spiritual, and economic consequences of divorce for all involved, understanding that women and especially children are disproportionately impacted by such burdens. As the church, we are concerned about high divorce rates. It is recommended that methods of mediation be used to minimize the adversarial nature and fault-finding that are often part of our current judicial processes, encouraging reconciliation wherever possible. We also support efforts by governments to reform divorce laws and other aspects of family law in order to address negative trends such as high divorce rates. Although divorce publicly declares that a marriage no longer exists, other covenantal relationships resulting from the marriage remain, such as the nurture and support of children and extended family ties. We urge respectful negotiations in deciding the custody of minor children and support the consideration of either or both parents for this responsibility and that custody not be reduced to financial support, control, or manipulation and retaliation. The welfare of each child is the most important consideration. Additionally, relating to remarriage, the same section of the Book of Discipline says the following. Divorce does not preclude a new marriage. We encourage an intentional commitment of the church and society to minister compassionately to those in the process of divorce, as well as members of divorced and remarried families, in a community of faith where God's grace is shared by all. The United Methodist Church answers the question, can a divorced person serve as clergy in the United Methodist Church in this way? Yes, annual conferences may develop their own policies regarding clergy divorce. These will vary from conference to conference. They also clarify that the official statement on divorce applies to clergy as well as laypersons. As early as 1984, all three of the newly appointed bishops in the Western U.S. had been divorced. An additional perspective on the UMC attitude toward divorce is shown in the short one-minute United Methodist Beliefs video on divorce in which Methodist pastor Felicia Hopkins speaks about her own divorce. It's very clear that in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, uh, that the Word of God is not in favor of divorce. Uh, divorce hurts everyone involved. I know this because in 2006, I went through a divorce myself. Associate pastor at a large church, had to make a decision about what I was gonna do with two small children. Um, what happened to me uh, was sad, but I was welcomed in my church. I stood in front of hundreds of people and I told them my story, and afterwards they hugged me, they had empathy for me. If you have experienced a divorce, if that's happened to you or your family, the United Methodist Church is here for you. We wanna love you, we wanna help you. We want you to be a part of our family and of course, the body of Christ. What do United Methodists believe about the rapture? Most United Methodist churches don't spend much time on discussions of end times, which is known in theology as eschatology. Many who attend a United Methodist church may never have heard a sermon on the topic. Officially, the UMC has no position on end times, but most ministers who take a position would be amillennial, meaning they don't believe in a literal 1,000-year millennium, and additionally, most do not hold to a literal tribulation period or rapture. The UMC website gives an answer to the question, where does the rapture fit into United Methodist beliefs, saying, the short answer is, it doesn't. You will not find any teaching about the rapture, and it's usually attendant beliefs about a great tribulation that will befall all those left behind for some period of time before the great white throne judgment and or the millennial reign among the doctrinal standards of the United Methodist Church, the Articles of Religion, the Confession of Faith, the Standard Sermons of John Wesley, John Wesley's Notes on the New Testament. Why is that? 
Because all of these terms were invented, yes, invented, beginning in the 19th century and largely among other denominations or independent parachurch organizations sponsoring prophecy conferences. Though the person most widely credited for the development of this set of theological terms, along with another term, premillennial dispensationalism, had himself been at one time a priest in the Church of England, John Nelson Darby, he left his priesthood to found more or less his own prophecy-centered sect, the Plymouth Brethren. Influential though his teaching would become, it, as did he, became untethered from established Christian doctrine and teaching, grounded on Jesus' own and apparently repeated teaching that no one knows the day nor the hour. Wesley and his spiritual children pay attention to what Jesus said. We don't know and cannot know the day nor the hour. Instead, we are called to watch and pray, here and now, living and growing in love toward God and neighbor. Our doctrine, consistent with historical Christian doctrine, focuses not on the order of things to come, but on the order of salvation, preventing at grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace, and the assurance of salvation that God pours abroad in our hearts. What do United Methodists believe about LGBT issues? This issue is currently divisive among United Methodist churches. There are many churches that fly rainbow flags and are outspokenly in favor of encouraging and promoting LGBT positions. Additionally, there are many churches that view homosexuality as sinful. In February 2019, this issue came to the front in the UMC General Conference. In this meeting, delegates from around the globe voted to keep in the church's book of discipline their current statements on human sexuality by a vote of 53 to 46%. The math of this points to the United States delegates most likely being in favor of removing this language but they were overruled by international delegates. This language that the UMC voted to keep in the Book of Discipline includes the following two statements. The practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Therefore, self-avowed practicing homosexuals are not to be certified as candidates, ordained as ministers, or appointed to serve in the United Methodist Church. Ceremonies that celebrate homosexual unions shall not be conducted by our ministers and shall not be conducted in our churches. The fact that a large portion of the UMC is in disagreement with this part of the Book of Discipline is made plain by the page on the UMC website called Homosexuality Additional Resources, in which nine books are recommended, several of which are explicitly and adamantly against the current wording, and none of which are explicitly for it. Notably, the author of two of these recommended books, Adam Hamilton, who pastors the largest United Methodist Church in the world, the 22,000-member Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas, and is opposed to the wording in the Book of Discipline, had recently announced that it will temporarily withhold half of its regular support to the UMC head office and is, along with many other of the more socially liberal churches, considering the options of either leaving the UMC to form a new denomination or resisting the current views from within the church. There are 93 colleges and universities affiliated with the United Methodist Church, and in January of 2019, the presidents of all 93 colleges unanimously made a statement to remove the language restricting homosexual marriage and saying homosexuality was incompatible with biblical teaching. In part, their statement said the following, We call upon the leaders of the United Methodist Church at this 2019 called General Conference to honor the past and current practices of inclusion by amending their policies and practices to affirm full inclusion in the life and ministry of the United Methodist church of all persons, regardless of their race, ethnicity, creed, national origin, gender, gender identity, expression, or sexual orientation. The 13 United Methodist seminaries additionally stated on the day of and prior to the UMC retaining the language on homosexuality the following in part. 
Public opinion polls in the United States clearly demonstrate that younger people in this country, including deeply devoted Christians, do not want to organize their spiritual and church lives around the question of excluding LGBTQIA persons. It is clear to all of us as heads of seminaries that if the traditional plan passes, many students and prospective students may decide there is no place for them in this denomination. If the traditional plan passes, we may very soon lose an entire generation of leadership here in the United States. This may not be true in Africa or elsewhere in the world, but the future of the United Methodist Church in this country is at stake here today. In short, the majority of UMC churches in the USA are currently in favor of full inclusion and non-condemnation of homosexuality within the church, and a large minority are opposed. Worldwide, the majority is opposed, but a large minority are in favor. I hope you enjoyed today's Ready to Harvest podcast. A video form of this podcast is available on YouTube or at readytoharvest.com. The link is in the podcast notes. Please let me know of Christian denominations that you would be interested in me producing an episode on by filling out the form on the website. And please let others know if you enjoy the Ready to Harvest podcast. See you again very soon.